Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, good morning. We've been talking about critical race theory these last few days, and if you're tuning in for the first time, you're probably lost as to what that means. So could one of you brothers quickly just give us a brief summary of what critical race theory is? Well, uh, critical race theory grew out of uh, Marxism. Uh, it is a Marxist uh, taking the principles of Marxism and, and applying uh, them to race. Uh, Marx originally wrote about class uh, and how upper classes oppress the lower classes, and that was Marx's explanation of what has gone wrong with the world. And critical race theory takes those principles and applies them to race. and treats us as various racial groups uh, and and various groups. Some groups hold power and other groups do not hold power. And those that do not have power are being oppressed uh, by the groups that do have power. And uh, that is a 30-second nutshell of critical race theory. In the book Cynical Theories by Helen Pluckrose and James Lindsay, both of which are, do not make any claim at, at Christianity whatsoever, um, they said that critical race theory holds that race is a social construct that was created to maintain white privilege and white supremacy. This idea originated long before postmodernism with W.E.B. Du Bois, who argued that the idea of race was being used to assert biological explanations of differences that are social and cultural in order to perpetuate the unjust treatment of racial minorities, especially African-Americans. Mm. And it's interesting, if you're following this at all in, in just Idaho right now, Jim Jones just wrote an editorial in the paper that basically said critical race theory in, in Idaho is, is the equivalent to Bigfoot, that critical race theory is equal to Bigfoot, that you're not going to find him. It's just something that was created. It's an it's a nice legend. It's fun to talk about, but it doesn't really exist. It doesn't exist, and you can't find it anywhere. And and those that are saying things about critical race theory are just having a whole bunch of fun, continuing to talk about made up stories, and they can't ever identify where it actually exists in our culture and in our country. So it's just fascinating to me that Helen Pluckrose and James Lindsay write this best-selling book, Cynical Theories, as non-Christians that's getting all, as liberals. They're actually yeah. liberals. They're not conservatives. Atheists. They're not right-wing people at all. They are old-school liberals who are anti-Christianity who are writing a book about, about Bigfoot, and people are buying it. You That's know. just really strange to me. Yeah. So we have decided that we love talking about Bigfoot, so we've been doing it for a while. 
um, <laughs> because this has no relevance for anybody's life. Or this might be one of the greatest threats of our day to the church, yeah. and mm-hmm. we think it's serious, we think it's pervasive, we think it's something that we do need to talk about because CRT is identifying right issues at times, but their solutions are not biblical, are not helpful, yeah. are destructive to people and to our society, and we think we need to we need to address it. Yeah. And- you know, um, I'm going to go because of those comments. I'm going to go in a different direction that, that I said off air um, because I, I want to demonstrate that this is very much affected evangelicalism. Phil, Phil, you had said off the air that uh, Campus Crusade for Christ, now known as Crew, there was a story that came out in Christianity Today uh, right. demonstrating how CRT, critical race theory, has absolutely kind of decimated that organization it's it's splitting off and and there's a fault line right down the middle of that organization between those people who are accepting crt and those people who are not is that accurate yeah and i don't want to exaggerate just because i don't have personal experience i just read an article about this about how it's dividing It's a semi-reputable source (laughs) yeah it's it's dividing the organization right now and certainly that's not the only one that there are uh, throughout evangelicalism today, uh, this has become a divisive issue, yeah, yeah. and and uh, with, with some uh, accepting some of the principles of CRT, critical race theory, and and some others uh, re- rejecting it. Well, just it, last it has, year at the at the SBC, the Southern Baptist Convention Conference, was it last year or the year before? They had adopted uh, critical race theory as an analytical tool into one of their resolutions, right. which that's massive. Yes. Um, so he, can I read this quote real quick? Um, so this person wrote into Bauckham. He didn't tell Vody Bauckham, who wrote the book Fault Lines. The whole thesis of the book is there's a fault line, not only in America, but in evangelicalism in particular, as to the divisive nature of this doctrine. So uh, this person wrote into Vody Bauckham, and he said, Hello, Pastor Bauckham. I'm writing to you as a heartbroken gospel sharer. I would like to get your help regarding one of the largest mission organizations on earth that is becoming consumed with the radical identity and reconciliation conversation in air quotes. Um, indoctrination is a more accurate term, he says. Literally thousands of Jesus-loving staff are becoming distressed and heartbroken over the sudden departure from the gospel in this organization. Now, they don't tell us what the organization is. This is on page 136. They don't tell us what the organization is, but the the point is, is that it's being split because of this. Mm-hmm. This is not Bigfoot. This is not the boogeyman. Sure. This is not, you know, the emperor really is not wearing any clothes at this point. Sure. And I think we want to be careful to say that simply being divisive in and of itself does not disprove or, or delegitimize critical race theory. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes truth is divisive. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, truth is always divisive, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, it, it will uh, it, it will create a a separation. But the issue that that I have with critical race theory and and uh, the brothers around this circle share this uh, conviction is that it bypasses the gospel mm-hmm. and makes no room for gospel reconciliation. Uh, it's a, it, it is a ethic of one group be, being proclaiming their innocence and the evil of another group, and its very nature is divisive, not on the basis of truth, but on the basis of this ideology 
that cannot be proven. It can only be asserted. And it, it leaves no room for gospel reconciliation. It was interesting. My sister teaches at a, a secular university in Illinois, and they were being trained on critical race theory and, and things that they needed to be aware of and make changes on. And one of them was that punctuality was a cultural construct of whites that was, yes. was being imposed oppressively opposed upon um, those that were not whites and that they needed to stop being oppressive with regard to punctuality. The primary role of my sister is to train high school math instructors. That's her job, is to help prepare them for when they go into the classroom. So just imagine a school day in which we say, you know, time is, is so oppressive and being punctual is oppressive. And so just you, you can't worry about whether kids come on time or don't come on time um, because you're just imposing on them something from your white culture. Well, I worked with high school kids for 15 years. And if you say punctuality doesn't matter, <laughs> their sinful hearts Guess what? won't yeah. ever be in your classroom. Yes. And now we've given them permission to not be in your pl- classroom, not because of white oppression but because of sin they will take advantage of that and say Mm -hmm. oh if it doesn't matter if i'm on time then i'm going to do whatever i want and so it's just i mean that's kind of a silly example but it's highlighting this whole idea of if we go down this road of of saying critical race theory doesn't exist but at the same time it is being asserted in different universities my sister's one of them where all of a sudden it has direct consequences. And my, my sister pushed back and said, wait, we aren't going to care about time? Does that mean that when you say that I have a meeting at 8, I can come at 8.30, 10 o'clock, not come? I mean, where do you want this to stop? Yeah. And so that was all under the heading of critical race theory. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's weird. We just got a Bigfoot sighting in a real place, in a real time, in a real meeting, in a real training about critical race theory. Yeah, There was a uh, maybe a, another evidence of, of this fault line kind of emerging in evangelicalism. There was a statement that was released called the Dallas Statement on Social Justice and the Gospel. I think it was released in 2018, maybe 2019, but September, I know the month because it was my dad's birthday. Anyway, this statement... I, I've signed the statement. I actually think it's a really helpful statement. This is what it says on the, the the section on race and ethnicity. And the reason why this is relevant is because this caused caused ripples in evangelicalism between those people who said, yes, it's a good statement, and those people who kind of ref, refused to have anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. It says this on, on race and ethnicity. We affirm that God made all people from one man. Though people often can be distinguished by different ethnicities and nationalities, they are ontological equals before God in both creation and redemption. Race, in air quotes, is not a biblical category, but rather a social construct that often has been used to classify people, groups of people, in terms of inferiority and superiority. All that is good, honest, just, and beautiful in various ethnic backgrounds and experiences can be celebrated as the fruit of God's grace. All sinful actions and their results, including evils perpetuated between and upon ethnic groups by others, are to be confessed as sinful, repented of, 
and repudiated. Mm -hmm. So that's the affirmation. Here's the denial. We deny that Christians should segregate themselves into racial groups or regard racial identity above or even equal to their identity in Christ. We deny that any divisions between people groups from an unstated attitude of superiority to an overt spirit of resentment have any legitimate place in the fellowship of the redeemed. We reject any teaching that encourages racial groups to view themselves as privileged oppressors or entitled victims of oppression. While we are to weep with those who weep, we deny that a person's feelings of offense or oppression necessarily prove that someone else is guilty of sinful behaviors, oppression, or prejudice. And you can find that statement on, just type in the social justice and the gospel statement. And I'd just like to just follow up with that, is sometimes you hear people say that we don't want to see race. I don't actually think that's biblical. I do want to see race. Yeah. Because I think there's beauty in it. And I think God has created differences, and there are different beliefs and practices from cultures. And, and, and I think we as Christians need to see all of that and appreciate all of that and value all of that, mm-hmm. not as marks of, of divide, but of marks of seeing God's wonderful creation of diversity. Yeah. And, and I think there's a difference there. All right, you've been listening to The Gospel for Life. We'll see you next time. 